So uh, I got a text that my cell phone or that my microphone was on. Could you guys hear me when I was during the music? No, some yeah, some no, yeah. Everybody heard me except the sound man who could have muted me. That's the way my luck goes, right? <laughs> That's all right, though. Hey, I want to talk to you, uh, before I talk to you about the message this morning, I want to talk to you just a minute about um, my brother. Um, some of you uh, have heard me speak about my family, my brother. Um, he's 15 years older than I am, and he's uh, generally a pretty healthy guy. You know, he's active, he hunts and things like that. He farms a farm, um, and uh, he contracted COVID here, I don't know, a couple weeks ago, I guess, uh, maybe the 7th or the 9th runs in my mind, and I was hospitalized for that. Um, they're not really sure what happened. You know, they never are. Um, but uh, in that time that he was hospitalized, uh, I got to talk to him on the phone numerous times. And that was really a beautiful thing in my estimation, being able to talk to him about uh, his condition, being able to pray with him and uh, ask God to take care of him over the phone, uh, being able to connect with him on a way that I probably haven't connected with him in decades. Um, and I, I always think to myself that phrase that uh, we use when we talk about um, Joseph and his brothers. Uh, you know, his brothers sent him into slavery. My brothers didn't do that to me. Uh, but in the end, uh, Joseph comes back to them and he says, you know, you guys, you meant this for evil. God meant it for good. I kind of see that many, many times in the area of COVID, that uh, this is definitely an evil thing. And it's a bad thing. It's a devastating thing to many people, many families. Um, but God uses those things. He redeems them for good. And I wouldn't... Uh, uh, trade uh, the, uh, the conversations and the prayers that I've had with my brother for a lot of things. Uh, naturally, I don't want him to perish, uh, but he's ready. He's a believer. Uh, his faith is in Christ. And, uh, and when I was with the family this morning uh, over at, outside of Dubois Hospital, uh, I, I prayed and I prayed, uh, God, we're not worried about Glenn's eternal condition. Um, Glenn doesn't deserve to go to heaven, <laughs> but He's trusting in your grace to save him. And uh, we're not worried about his eternal state. We just like having him around. And so if uh, you would see fit to heal him, to make him well, we would be thankful. So that's kind of my mindset there. Um, I guess that has me more rattled today than I thought it did. (laughs) I kind of messed up the live stream in the first service and I messed it up in the second service and then I spoke with my mic on in the lobby. So you'll have that. But now I'm going to do what I love to do. I'm going to go ahead and preach. So I'm going to encourage you um, to, if you happen to have the Bible app on your phone, it will be your friend today. Um, the Version Bible app has the Bible verses because we're actually going to be looking at a lot of passages of Scripture today. We're going to be looking at a dozen of them. And I won't put all of them in their entirety on the screen. So that's how the Version Bible app will help you out. Uh, beyond that, I'm going to uh, talk to you uh, about a story. In fact, in just a minute here, I'm going to share a story with you um, that is kind of a personal story that belongs to Kerbinsville Alliance. Um, it's a story that I never tell without getting permission of the family to tell. And so this week I called the, the mom in the family and I said, I want to tell this story. Here it is. Do I have your permission? It's a story of great sorrow. And she cried as I was telling it to her. And it's a story as well of great joy. And she wept during that time. And naturally, she said to me, Pastor, please, yes, tell that story. I would love for you to tell that story. It is a story that's 13 years old now. It's a story of uh, the woman who's on the left in that picture there. Her name is Shelley. She's standing with a missionary named Lorinda. And uh, they were in Burkina Faso, West Africa. Shelley, uh, 
her mother attends this church. Marilyn is the one that I called, Marilyn Gardlock. And uh, she tunes in via YouTube these days. So Marilyn, want to say hi to you if you're watching this particular one. Uh, her father, Jack, attended Kerwinsville Alliance until he passed away in 2011. Shelley felt that she wanted to go as a missionary in her mid-30s to Burkina Faso, West Africa. And so she went. And she worked with Lorinda there on the field. Shelley was an artist. She took her Mac with her. And she went there to, to, to be able to assist the missionaries any way that she could. And while Shelley was there, she got sick. They had a doctor on site. And the doctor looked at her and said, you know, I don't, I don't see anything. I'm not sure what's going on here. And so Shelley says, I just feel miserable tonight. So I'm going to go to bed early. And naturally, since she was a guest in a, in a culture that is very friendly and very loving and very hospitable, they were all concerned about her. Everyone there knew Shelley is sick. And so before retiring, Shelley said these words before she went to bed. Well, if I don't make it, I know where I'm going. Those were the words that she said, a casual remark. But she meant it. If I don't make it, I know where I'm going. And she didn't make it. The next morning, she died. She knew where she was going. Among those people who were there, there was this young African man named Adama. It's like Adam with an A on the end of it. Adama. He heard that she had said that or else he heard it from her lips. And he went to Lorinda and he said, what did she say? She said, if I don't make it, I know where I'm going. How does she know that? I don't have that. I want that. I want what she had. And so Lorinda got some other missionaries together and they talked to Adama and he prayed to receive Christ as his savior. And his life was forever changed. Shortly afterward, he trained for law enforcement and they sent us some pictures of him. The picture on the right is my favorite. It's got him holding a gun out like this, if you can see it there. Um, but that's a, the young Adama, 13 years ago, the, the law enforcement. And he did very well in that field. He moved right up and somebody told me that he was even part of the presidential guard in that country. Let me just say this. I think it's safe to say that Jack and Marilyn's suffering was intense. Shelley was an only child. And in some respects, Shelley was their life. They loved her like any parent would love, and maybe even more than other parents would. The loss was very weighty. Now, it's helpful in a time of suffering to try to find some kind of meaning to your loss. That's why we always say, why? Why is this happening? And Adama actually brought a portion of meaning to the pain felt by Jack and by Marilyn. A young man had found inspiration in Shelley's life and in her death. Their daughter was gone, but her words had been used by God to open the heart of Adama. He had found eternal life in Christ Jesus, and her words were part of that journey for him. Her death had played a role in his salvation. So Adama's story helped Jack and Marilyn endure the heartache losing Shelley brought. It helped a lot of us endure that. Endurance. That's what I want to talk to you about today, because it is a keystone of Christian faith. So let's think for a minute about what it means to endure. And I think probably one of the first things I would say, it means not giving up. In the second book of Chronicles, uh, 
in Hebrew scripture. There's a king named Asa, and he, he is seen, he's the king of Judah, and he's seen the paganism all around him, that, and that God's people are worshiping idols, that they're worshiping false gods, and in that paganism, there's so much that is just abhorrent and unholy to God. And so King Asa sets his mind to address this spiritual problem in the nation, and God sends a messenger to talk to him. This particular messenger, it's the only time he shows up in all the Bible. And when he comes, he kind of says, yeah, Israel, Judah, they have done bad things. You're on the right path. In fact, in 2 Chronicles 15, 7, he says these words, but as for you, Asa, be strong and do not give up, for your work will be rewarded. He's telling Asa to endure, because endurance is a keystone in Christian faith. Something else indicated by the word endure from the negative perspective is it means not turning away. And all of us who have been following Christ have seen people who seem to come along. They seem to be following Christ, and then all of a sudden they just decided to stop. They kind of gave up. They turned away. And while that is troubling, it's honestly not alarming. It's nothing new. People turning away from God has been on the books since the Garden of Eden. It's something that happens. And still, it's very troubling. It even happened to Jesus. When Jesus walked among them, people walked away from him. For example, in John 6, 66, it says, from this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. He lost thousands of followers. How does that happen? Why would that happen? Because they could not endure Jesus' teaching. You could say it other ways. They couldn't bear Jesus' teaching. They couldn't abide Jesus' teaching. They couldn't put up with Jesus' teaching. Any way you say it, the bottom line is that they turned away and they were lost because endurance is a keystone in Christian faith. While I'm speaking of endurance, I, I'm talking about not caving in. You know, we're supposed to get a pretty good snowstorm. I don't think it's going to be as good as the kids want it to be. Remember, oh man, <laughs> I love those root kids. Yeah. Remember when you were a kid and you would make a cave in the snow? Do you remember doing that? You'd go back inside it. And then there was always that one aunt that you had, your aunt who said, I don't like them going in there. What if it caves in? You know, she was always worried about cave-in. That's probably not the kind of cave-in that we need to be worried about. The kind of cave-in that, that I want to be worried about is if the pressures of this life, the pressures of this world, make me cease to endure and make me yield. Yield to temptation, to doubt, to just giving up. In the book of 1 Corinthians, in chapter 10, in verse 13, the scripture says, No temptation has overtaken you except what's common to mankind. And God is faithful who will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will provide a way of escape or a way out so that you can endure it. Endurance is possible because of God and what he provides. It's a keystone of Christian faith. Not giving up, not turning away, not caving in. Positively, endurance means pressing into the difficulty before you. It means when evil presses against you, you press back against it. Jesus was concluding, what, 40 days of fasting in the wilderness. And the devil comes up to him and 
begins to tempt him. And Jesus doesn't give up. He doesn't cave. He doesn't turn away. He pushes back. There's a line in a Rich Mullins song where Rich is evidently envisioning that as Jesus is being bombarded by the temptations of Satan, Jesus is just quoting Deuteronomy to the devil, you know? Yeah, well, here's what the Bible says, devil, you know? He's pushing back. He never ran from difficulty, this Jesus. He pressed into it. And he expected his followers to do the same. If you remember when he sent his followers out to do ministry, and they came back to him and they're like, Jesus, you're not going to believe how cool this was. Even the demons are subject to us. And he says in Luke 10, 18, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I can't imagine the gleam in his eye as he said that. I saw you guys pushing back against evil. And that endurance is a keystone to Christian faith. Endurance means finishing what you started, like God does. Being confident of this, Philippians 1.6 says, that he who began a good work in you will carry it to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Endurance, finishing what you started, a keystone of Christian faith. And endurance is doing more than just surviving. It's like a lot of times, as life begins to get us down and we feel a little overwhelmed and things aren't going the way we want them to, a lot of people just kind of like, oh man, all I want to do is survive. I just want to survive. But that isn't enduring. Enduring is really seeking to thrive in the midst of things. When it speaks of the saints in Revelation chapter 12, in verse 11, it says, they triumphed over the enemy, over Satan, by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony because they did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. And when the Bible speaks to us about endurance, it says, therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Enduring is not just surviving. It's striving. Now, there are a number of areas in which Christians are called to endure. One of them is just in terms of production. Endurance in terms of production. You see it in sports. You probably have heard the name George Blanda. It's not a real impressive name. Blanda, right? You don't have to be a sports fan to have heard the name George Blanda. But you would have to be 50 years of age or older to remember having seen him play. Blanda is familiar because not only was he a quarterback who grew up near Pittsburgh, that's an impressive thing, right? But beyond that, he's familiar because he played football longer than anyone else. 26 seasons. He was 48 years of age when he played his last game. The oldest guy is to play in 2020. Tom Brady, 43. Drew Brees, who during the season was 41, just turned 42. Those men have endurance in terms of production, and we celebrate them. We celebrate George Blanda because, wow, he stayed the course. He stuck with it. He, he did a great thing, and he receives notoriety in the sports world. In the kingdom, you receive notoriety when you endure. Timothy gets notoriety from the Apostle Paul when the Apostle Paul is writing to a group of Christians in Philippi. He says in chapter 2, verse 19, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare, for everyone looks out for their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know that Timothy has proved himself 
because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. Proven endurance. Endurance in terms of production. You've seen it yourself, right? I mean, if you look around the kingdom, if you look around the church, there's that Sunday school teacher that has taught faithfully for years and then for decades and then right up until she can't teach or he can't teach any longer. Endurance in terms of production. Or you see it in that youth leader who's running on empty but still running after the kids. Or you see it in the electrician who comes in and runs the cable underneath here and gets it into that so that you don't have to crane your neck up to that thing. And he does it after work. He's been out of town working. He drives home two hours and gets something to eat and then comes in in the evening and does that. Endurance in terms of production. You see it in musicians who practice and practice and practice and practice. You see it in the person who wipes down the toys in a nursery. It's all endurance in terms of production. And it's a keystone of Christian faith. You see it in other areas as well. You see it in terms of waiting. And this is a place where endurance is really hard for me. I know that most of you don't have any trouble waiting. In fact, I'm guessing that most of you, if your doctor's appointment is for 3 p.m., you go ahead and head in there at 10 in the morning just because you love sitting there waiting on the doctor, right? No, we all hate waiting. It's a painful experience. And you experience that pain of endurance waiting in a number of situations. The single person that's waiting for just that special someone. Or the engaged person who's waiting until they're married. Or the couple who are waiting to have a baby. Waiting. Or the couple who are waiting for those babies to go ahead and launch, right? Waiting. Waiting. As Christians, we find ourselves waiting on the Lord. And that word waiting means to be hoping patiently and trusting confidently in him. Isaiah 40 is a familiar passage of scripture. It says that those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They'll run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Waiting is part of life. Waiting well. Enduring in waiting is a keystone of Christian faith. There's one more area of endurance I want to talk about. It really would be wrong not to talk about this one. It's endurance in terms of pain. You know what that is, right? Chronic pain. Chronic physical pain. Migraines, day after day, week after week. Headaches, just backaches, joint pain, arthritis, neck pain, muscle pain, and emotional pain. The pain of loss and grief. The pain of unresolved conflict. The pain of loneliness. The pain of dysfunctional relationships. When I think of chronic pain, I think of the Apostle Paul. I think of how he spoke of this thorn in the flesh he had. And there are people who want to argue that away that like, yeah, I don't think that was a physical illness because I think God always heals us no matter what. That's not accurate at all. How can you have a thorn in your flesh and it be anything other than fleshly? He has this physical illness. And he says in 2 Corinthians 12, 8, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast more gladly about my weakness so Christ's power may rest on me. You can see that the Apostle Paul believes with all his heart that endurance, even enduring pain, is a keystone of Christian faith. Now, if we are going to place this keystone in our life, then we should probably talk about how do we do this. Okay, Pastor Steve, I hear you saying I need to endure 
And I, I hear you saying that God's made it possible, but it just how in the world? I don't know where to start. And I would say, well, it begins, enduring well begins when you look at Christ's example. We're going to look at Hebrews 12.3, and then we're going to go back and look at verses 1 and 2. But in Hebrews 12.3, this is just as clear as it possibly can be. It's speaking of Jesus when it says, consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you not grow weary and lose heart. Consider him who endured opposition. Look at him. Think of how he did it and do likewise. I really have trouble imagining Jesus grumbling. So when I'm grumbling about something I'm enduring, I'm probably not considering him and following his example. My wife is a great cook. She put something on the table the other night and it was absolutely delicious. It had, oh, I don't even know what was in it, except I do know one thing that was in it. There were sweet potatoes in it. Sweet potatoes do not belong on the table. It's just a thing I have. I've told her this many times. She doesn't understand. And as I'm eating it there, I, I, I was almost done. I was like on my third helping. And I jagged one of the sweet potatoes and I pulled it off. I said, hey, lady, what is this? She said, that's a sweet potato. And I think she's feeling kind of proud of herself because she slipped it past me. And I said to her, this does not belong here. And I ate all the sweet potatoes first so I can get those done with and then enjoy the rest of it. Right? I'm trying to imagine Jesus doing that. He wouldn't have done that. He, wouldn't have, he would have endured the pain of the sweet potato, you know? He, would, he might have done it just to tease or joke around. But man, when I look at Christ's example, I see here's someone who did not grumble. I see here's someone who kept the main thing the main thing. Here's someone who kept his eye on the goal. I mean, two verses earlier than this 12.3, we, we read, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great crowd of witnesses, cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scoring its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus endured the cross by looking at the joy that was on the other side of it. He kept his eye on the goal. He kept the main thing, the main thing. I want to do that. I want to look to his example. And in that example, then I see the second way maybe to endure well is to look forward to the end of the journey. <laughs> Every kid says this, as soon as you get in the car for a long ride, here we go, backing out the driveway. Now we're headed down the road. We've been on the road for four minutes. And what's that kid in the back seat say? Are we there yet? <laughs> exactly. Are we there yet? And that's because I think God has built into us this this sense of needing to achieve the objectives. That's not a bad thing that kids have, that they do that. Maybe the hundredth time it's bad, but not initially, right? The journey is important to us, but it is actually the objective that keeps us on the journey. The objective keeps us on the path. It keeps us moving forward. That's why the Apostle Paul, when he's speaking to the Philippians in chapter three, says, brothers and sisters, I don't consider myself to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining forward to what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. That's the essence of endurance. It's keeping your eyes focused ahead on the prize. It's keeping your head up, not your head down. Do you watch hockey at all? If you watch hockey at all, you know that those guys coming down the ice with that puck, if you're coming down the ice and you got your head down like this, man, 
you are going to get clobbered. You're going to get clobbered. But they're trained to keep their head up and keep their eyes on the prize and head to that goal. And in so doing, they can endure. They can, they can score. They can get the prize. You look ahead into eternity and you endure. And third, in enduring well, you look for the Holy Spirit to give you power and strength. Here's a line that I have heard more times than I can count. Pastor, how do people who don't know God make it through this? I have heard that line when someone is sick. I have heard that line when someone is moving. I have heard that line when someone has lost their job. I have heard that line standing at the casket with someone. I don't know how people who don't know Christ make it through this. You hear what they're saying? That there is a supernatural aspect involved in knowing Christ that empowers you to do what you otherwise could not do in terms of endurance. When I was a kid, I had a motorcycle just like that one. That's a Honda CL90. It's a scrambler. You can tell by the way the exhaust is halfway up the side of it there. The scramblers, Honda said, these bikes are great on the street and they're great in the dirt. And neither of those statements was true. You know? (laughs) I can remember these hills of Pennsylvania, the gas line, you know, on the farm there, it was that hill that goes straight up because gas lines don't go around those things like railroads. They go straight up. And I can remember getting on that thing and I'd, I'd get it into high gear as I hit the bottom of that and I'm maybe 20% up the hill before it's in first gear and it's done. And I was a skinny little thing and I'd jump off the side of that and I'd run that throttle and run up beside it until I got to the top of the hill and then dump back on it. I did that. I don't know how many times I did that on that thing. Years later, in fact, it was right after we graduated from college, I bought another Honda dual-purpose bike on an off-road bike. But it wasn't a 90cc, it was a 500cc. Honda XL 500, that was overkill, honestly. Had five times the displacement, more than five times the displacement of the Honda 90. And it climbed. Right across the road from our house when we lived in McKean County and I got that motorcycle, there was a gas line going straight up, just like the ones I grew up in, Jefferson County. I hopped on that motorcycle, I went down to the bottom of that hill, I pulled in the clutch and I looked and I said, I am not going to push I am not going to run. And I cracked that throttle and the only challenge in that was keeping the front wheel down because the power was there, so much power. When I got to the top of the hill, I left the ground, man. You know, what a blast. What a blast to have all that power. The Holy Spirit is like that. He is not a Honda CL90. When you go to him and you say, I don't know how I'm going to endure this, he doesn't say, well... I'm wringing my hands. Does that help? He has the displacement. (laughs) He has the horsepower. He has the power to enable you to endure whatever life might throw at you. That is a keystone of Christian faith. You endure well by leaning on, by looking into, by speaking to, by learning from the Spirit of God who dwells inside you. Now, when we say something is a keystone of Christian faith, keystone, we mean... It's vitally important. Without that keystone, there's a chance the whole thing will fall down. And it's vitally important that you make endurance part of your Christian faith. Do you remember Adama? I mentioned him at the start of the message. A couple weeks ago, we received a card in the mail. It wasn't just for us. Uh, The CMA sends these cards. It's from the Christian and Missionary Alliance headquarters. 
sends these cards to churches with inspiring little stories on the back of them from time to time. Laurel picked it up. It had a face of an African man on the front of it. And she picked it up and she said, did you see who this is? I hadn't because I hadn't recognized him. It does look familiar. And I hadn't read the back of it. So I turned it over and I read the back of it. As soon as I read these eight sentences to you. Hi. My name is Adama. I grew up in Burkina Faso and I'm a follower of Jesus. My local church saw potential in me to be a church leader here, but I didn't have any training. Thankfully, I was blessed to be able to enroll in a Bible institute where I met Alliance workers that you sent here. Because of their ministry, I've received training in how to study the Bible and how to become an effective leader and how to reach others with the gospel. They taught me how to be a disciple who makes disciples. Now I am serving. Hear this, man. You want to serve God and tell people about God? Listen to what this guy's doing. Now I am serving as a chaplain at a Christian high school where I get to disciple more than 600 students. I'm also leading a church plant in our city. So when Laurel and I saw that, we said, that's the guy that saw Shelley die. That's the guy who when Shelley said, hey, if I don't make it, I know where I'm going. He said, I want whatever she, whatever she has. I want that. That's the young man who received Christ and began his journey with Christ when Shelley ended her journey on earth. Huh. So I called Marilyn, Shelley's mom, and I shared it with her. And she cried tears of joy. I want to tell you something she said. I've heard her say it so many times. This is the first time I've had the guts to to share it because it blows me away and it shames me that I don't think I could do that. She said, I have always told people if Shelley's death means one person gets to go to heaven who otherwise wouldn't have, it was worth it. Wow. Wow, where does she get that? from the power of the Holy Spirit living in her. That's where she gets that. (laughs) I just want you to imagine something with me, though. I want you to imagine that Marilyn had not chosen to endure. That endurance was not a keystone in her Christian faith. I want you to imagine that Marilyn had decided to give up. That Marilyn had decided to turn away God, I don't want anything to do with you if you take my daughter that way. Or if Marilyn had decided to cave in, I can't handle it anymore, and just walked away from Christian faith. What would she have? Yeah, exactly. Nothing. Pain, anguish, heartache, bitterness. Can you see how essential this keystone of endurance is in our Christian faith. It is something we cannot live as Christians without. So I'm going to pray that endurance would mark your Christian faith. If you're comfortable doing so, let's stand together and we'll pray together. Let's bow our hearts together. Father in heaven, we are thankful for your great love for us, that you demonstrated your love for us in this, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us.
and that we can trust you to care for us. And as we trust you, we can endure. I think, Father, of the areas in which we need to endure, that we want to be productive for the kingdom, and we want to be patient in the kingdom and wait upon you, and we want to be, we want to be people who understand your grace is sufficient for us as we endure pain or heartache or whatever. Pray that you would help us to follow Christ's example as we consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so we do not grow weary and lose heart. Help us to look ahead to the end of the journey, forgetting what lays behind and turning our hearts toward that which is ahead and keeping our eyes on the prize for which God has called us heavenward in Christ Jesus. And help us look to you, Holy Spirit, for strength. Not just the CL90 version, but the XL500 version and more. That we would recognize that you give us the ability when we ask you to do things that when others look on are absolutely amazed. All of us are amazed at Marilyn's response. We are amazed because that is the power of the Holy Spirit. I pray, Father, that we would never give up. We would never turn away. We would never cave in. But that we would always endure. By your grace, through Christ Jesus the Lord. Amen.